The House takes a stab at dynamic scoring for preventative health proposals. An oversight panel advances reforms to the pharmacy benefit manager industry. And a top House committee chair announces her retirement from Congress. For the week of February 12th, 2024, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. The federal health care program. Quality adjusted life years. Think of that term. Should an academic or Washington bureaucrat be able to say some people are more valuable than others? Kicking off this week's episode with news from Capitol Hill, where last week the House of Representatives passed legislation along party lines to prohibit the use of quality-adjusted life years and similar metrics in Medicaid and other federal health programs. While supporters of the Protecting Healthcare for All Patients Act argue that quality-adjusted life years discriminate against people with disabilities, congressional Democrats have voiced concerns that the bill's language is too vague and could impact a broader set of comparative effectiveness analysis used in federal drug price negotiations. Republicans have countered that the legislation mirrors language in the Affordable Care Act, which banned the use of quality-adjusted life years to determine coverage in the Medicare program. FEHB Fund. I'm pleased the committee is considering such important legislation to rein in these PBMs and curb these abusive practices. This legislation is supported by several organizations. Last week, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee advanced the delinking revenue from Unfair Gouging, or Drug Act. The bipartisan legislation, introduced by Representatives Marionette Miller-Meeks, a Republican from Iowa, and Annette Diaz-Barragan, a Democrat from California, would prohibit pharmacy benefit managers from tying fees or other types of remuneration to the price of a medicine, and instead require fees to be structured as a flat fee based on the fair market value of PBM services. Additionally, the Drug Act would ban the practice of spread pricing and patient steering and prohibit PBMs from paying affiliated pharmacies more than independent community pharmacies for the same services. The bill was favorably reported out of the committee by a 29 to 11 vote. special for my friend okay Uh, so this bill I think is significant when we talk about process reforms nickels and dimes add up I think I think having uh, preventive and and innovative solutions it costs tremendous amount to develop on the front end but yield great benefits long term could be a game changer really for uh, for the health of our country and our fellow citizens but also for the fiscal health of our nation. And I know you... That was the voice of the chairman of the House Budget Committee, Representative Jody Arrington, a Republican from Texas, whose panel unanimously advanced the bipartisan Preventative Health Savings Act last week in a 30-0 vote. The bill, which was introduced by Representatives Michael Burgess, a Republican from Texas, and Diana DeGette, a Democrat from Colorado, directs the Congressional Budget Office to more accurately reflect the long-term and cost-saving potential of preventative health care initiatives. 
It also encourages the use of data-informed preventive health measures and instructs the agency to extend its analysis from the existing 10-year budget window to a 30-year budget window to more sufficiently reflect the potential impact of preventive health policies. proposing to let HHS use what's called march-in rights on drug patents that were developed with taxpayer funding. And they are going to allow the HHS to use high prices as one of the reasons they can march in using a provision of the 1980 Bayh-Dole Act. A group of more than 70 congressional Democrats sent a letter last week to the Biden administration in support of the White House's proposal to exercise march-in rights to ensure reasonable prices for taxpayer-funded inventions. The lawmakers offer comments for how the administration's interagency guidance framework for considering the exercise of march-in rights might be strengthened and urge the administration to finalize the draft framework without delay. The letter reads, quote, Reining in out-of-control prescription drug prices is one of the most pressing challenges facing the United States, and taxpayers are investing more than ever in biomedical research sometimes funding 80 to 100% of the cost of developing a new medical product. The letter goes on to say, while we recognize the important role of the private sector in research and development and support the ability to make a reasonable profit, industry interests should not outweigh meeting health and safety needs for all consumers and providing accountability to taxpayers, unquote. In addition to the letter from congressional Democrats, more than 500 comments were received from the public during the notice and comment period for the proposal, which ended on February 6th. More news from the People's House today as the Energy and Commerce Committee is subpoenaing the National Institutes of Health for information related to allegations of sexual harassment within the agency and its grantees. An investigation led by Committee Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers, Republican from Washington, found at least 300 cases of harassment since 2018. In a statement, Rogers said, quote, As the largest public funder of biomedical research, the NIH is uniquely positioned to transform the culture of science to prevent sexual harassment and mitigate its detrimental impacts. She went on to say, Unfortunately, the NIH has failed to comply adequately with requests for information and documents related to its handling of sexual harassment complaints. Unquote. More news today where the Congressional Budget Office has released its latest budget and economic outlook, covering the period of 2024 to 2034. CBO estimates that the federal budget deficit will grow by $1 trillion over the next decade, largely driven by federal spending on entitlement programs like Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. The agency projects that the deficit will grow from 5.6% of gross domestic product in 2024 to 6.1% in 2034. CBO notes that, since the Great Depression, deficits have exceeded that level only during and shortly after World War II, the 2007 to 2009 financial crisis, and the coronavirus pandemic. At least in part, And she said, quote, after much prayer and reflection, I've decided the time has come to serve them. Speaking of the people of Washington in new ways, I will not be running for re-election to the People's House. Rogers was appointed back to the House of Representatives. Final news today, where after two decades in Congress, 
The chairwoman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, a Republican from Washington, announced that she will not run for re-election this year. McMorris-Rogers is a former Republican conference vice chair. During her time as Energy and Commerce Republican leader, she helped advance the latest package of Food and Drug Administration user fee agreement reauthorizations and authored transparency legislation. In related news, Representative Michael Burgess, a Republican from Texas and the second most senior Republican on the committee, previously announced his plan to retire this year. The next most senior Republican, Representative Bob Lotta, a Republican from Ohio, is expected to run for the top seat on the panel. Health Subcommittee Chairman Brett Guthrie, a Republican from Kentucky, has also confirmed that he will run to lead the committee. More retirements were Representative Mike Gallagher, a Republican from Wisconsin, who was first elected to the House in 2017, announced that he will not seek re-election. Before joining the House of Representatives, Gallagher served in the Marine Corps, staffed the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and worked in the private sector. Currently, he chairs the House Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the United States and Chinese Communist Party, and the Armed Services Subcommittee on Cyber, Information Technologies, and Innovation. Gallagher also serves on the Permanent Select Subcommittee on Intelligence. Representative Matt Rosendale, a Republican from Montana, has announced his bid for the GOP nomination to challenge Senator John Tester, a Democrat from Montana, for his seat in the upper chamber. Rosendale has served in the House of Representatives since 2021 and currently sits on the Veterans Affairs Committee. He will face Tim Sheehy in the primary, a retired Navy SEAL. Representative Victoria Sparks, a Republican from Indiana, has reversed her decision to retire from Congress and will now run for re-election this November. Former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, a Republican, announced that he plans to run for the Maryland Senate seat currently held by retiring Senator Ben Cardin. A running list of members of Congress who are retiring or seeking other office can be found in our weekly written policy briefing on the news page of our website at www.hhs.com. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the Ways and Means Committee organizing meeting for the 118th Congress. The Committee on Energy and Commerce will come to order. The chair recognizes herself for an opening statement. Um, and it's a pleasure to bring together the first meeting of the Finance Committee in the 118th Congress. Good morning. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions will come to order. All right, we did it. We end each week's episode with the call to order, where we lightning around congressional meetings and hearings in the near future that you need to know about. First, on Tuesday, February 13th at 8.30 a.m., the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party holds a field hearing titled Growing Stakes, the Bioeconomy, and American National Security. Second, on Wednesday, February 14th at 10 a.m., the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health hosts a legislative hearing entitled Legislative Proposals to Support Patients and Caregivers. Third, on Thursday, February 15th at 8 a.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Technology Modernization convenes the hearing Electronic Health Record Modernization Deep Dive. Can the Oracle Pharmacy Software be made safe and effective? Fourth, on Thursday, February 15th at 10 a.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Health gavels in a hearing titled Artificial Intelligence at VA, Exploring Its Current State and Future Possibilities. And last, on Thursday, February 15th at 10 a.m., the House Oversight and Accountability Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic holds the hearing Assessing America's Vaccine Safety Systems, Part 1.
Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the news section at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, email me at mduckworth at hhs.com, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week, and stay healthy. Stay healthy.